1: Greetings and salutations everyone, it's Rich Wilson, welcome to Fantasy Baseball Live. Today is February 3rd, about uh, 5 o'clock in the evening. Hope everybody is doing very well. Today is a special broadcast as, or a podcast, as we are covering number 51 through 100 of our top 100 prospects. It comes out early next week. It's all ready to go. I'm just going to do the podcast first. Tim and I record on Sunday. Sunday podcasts will come out So probably the top one through 50 will come out on Tuesday, and that's probably when I will post the list out there. So getting very, very close to releasing it. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. It is definitely a labor of love. There's a lot of work goes in uh, to producing this. As you know, I, I do at least 15 prospects per organization, rank those prospects, and then write about them. And I think in total I wrote about 75,000 words which is a tremendous amount of words. If you've never uh, written a lot of stuff, it's just a a lot of chugging through things. I don't enjoy the writing. I've said that for many, many years. I do enjoy the research. I enjoy talking with people about players. I love scouting the players. And that's the one value added I think I can provide is that I actually see a lot of these players. I spend you know, my own money to go out to games traveling around the country to see those players going to Arizona Fall League to see some of the players, all-star games to see some of the players, not usually the um, futures game, because that's, I mean, you, you spend all that money and time to go see a guy, one or two at bats, but many times going to, league all-star games and and catching those players play and uh so that's a really good opportunity so that that's what i do in the summer Uh, it's my second career as many of you know i was a corporate executive for many many years retired in my early 50s from that job because i wanted to dedicate the second half of my life if you will (laughs) hopefully it's the second half of my life um Dedicated to to working in baseball and working in in uh, evaluation and player development on the media side, I've been asked to to uh, work for teams, and I have just uh, said no to that. Um, it's just not the lifestyle that I'm willing to live. I I lived in Marriotts for 30 years of my life. I don't want to continue to do that, and that's what you do. the the little the travel I do do when you're a professional scout, you're pretty much on the road. You know five days a week, maybe even you know, multiple weeks at a time, and that's just not something that interests me. So, I have my little podcast, I have my website, I work for some agents here and there, uh, doing some independent analysis, and I present all of the stuff that I've learned and gathered going to scout school and going to uh, to sitting at games talking to people who do this for a living for teams and other agents, etc., and trying to share the knowledge of what I have learned. Um, Can I just go to the stats and bring up who had the best stats, put them one and go through 100 and do it that way? Sure. Could I go out and take a look at what everybody else is doing? Baseball America, all the fantasy sites, etc. and figure out learn about the players that way and rank them sure but i do it the only way i know how to do it and that is just going out and seeing the players and those players that i don't see talking with people who have seen them and then i default and you can usually tell on my writings (laughs) the players i haven't seen or talked to anybody about because they simply repeat the stat line and that's candidly about 25 percent of the players Thirty percent, maybe. So it's a it's a sizable number. I mean, when you write about four hundred and fifty players, you can't see them all, Uh, and you know there's just some players that I, you know, that might be in the DSL that I haven't seen yet, and I don't have enough contacts within an organization uh, out in the Dominican who's who's out scouting the Dominican. Um, or newly drafted players, the same kind of thing, that I just simply re- resolved to spitting out the stat line and thinking about how they might fit in. But mostly those are guys in the 11 to 15 range. Write about all those players throughout the year. Write, consolidate all those in the fall time. Present those in podcasts and write-ups on the um, – prospect 361 site and then i come to the task of consolidating all of those guys into a top 100 list trying my best to keep the rankings within the teams so if i rank a player number one i try not to put a player number three above them in the same organization when i want to do the, to the top 100 it's there are anomalies and you might ask well, why are there anomalies well sometimes i'm writing up particularly the National League Central, in September. And things change. Guys get hurt. They get traded. Um, New information comes up. Sometimes I will be talking with somebody three months later, and they'll say, Indy Rodriguez is a good example. I really loved Indy Rodriguez when I was right at the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates. And I would be talking with people. I remember talking to somebody about Harry Ford, and they were comparing Harry Ford's game to Andy Rodriguez. And then we get to just talk about Andy Rodriguez. And it was like, the more I talked to people, I realized as much as I loved Andy Rodriguez and put him ahead of, of uh, Henry Davis, I should have put him ahead of... Um, at a minimum, Quinn Priester, and probably should have been the number one ranked prospect in that system, even ahead of Tamar Johnson, even though he was the number fourth overall pick. So things do change. There's a little you know thing. So you'll see that as I go through the list. So don't yell at me and say, well, gee, you didn't stay true to your individual rankings of the players when you went through this I, I try my best to do that and i'm going to say probably 95 percent of the time i do but there are some anomalies and i will try to bring that up as i go through it and because it's as you know if, if you've never done a list there it's it's a living thing i mean you can't do a static list and say hey this is this is the way it is it's never going to change players are changing new information is gathered And quite frankly, the same thing is true and with baseball organizations, they have a list and they're constantly updating that list because they're learning new information as well. Just so you know, the way that a lot of baseball teams work is they don't necessarily have a top 100 list. Um, Most of the teams are trying to get publications to rank their players as high as possible because it it creates a media buzz and puts pressure on organizations when they're trying to draft guys so or excuse me trying to make trades etc so it is it's it's not critical but teams like it when their players are ranked high and if you talk to the individual teams i mean they're telling you they're, their guys are great so it's really important i i, I do have contacts within organizations like you talk to them about their players and it's rarely hey this is what he needs to work on sometimes it is but it's more of hey this is why the player is great and why i love baseball america they do a great job i mean that's primarily the people they talk to um and so you're getting almost a list of of how the team wants the public to know how things are ranked. At least that's my impression because I look at some of their lists after I have finished all my stuff and I say, wow, gee, this, this player is ahead. And then I know because that's what the, that's what the team believes. And so they, they kind of do it that way. But if you're looking for one publication that kind of gives you the industry view, it is truly baseball America. They have the deepest context. They have the biggest staff, and you know they not only do it within their four walls but they reach out to writers within the organization so they they just have a lot of people on this so you get a real good sense in reading their material like who is one through a hundred as the baseball universe uh, would thinks they are listening to teams and so forth you get my stuff, and I try to look at it through my lens, from a fantasy lens, and then just my my own critical eye, which I can be criticized for because I might be wrong. <laughs> you know, so so sometimes I step out and, and fall in love with players and really promote those. Sometimes they work out great, and people really benefit from that. Sometimes I'm wrong. And uh, hopefully, if you've listened to my stuff for long enough, I'm pretty... Transparent about when I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm frustrated <laughs> when I get the evaluation of a player completely wrong, and I just don't understand how that happened. Like you know, I saw him with my own eyes. Like what, what changed? What did I miss? So I'm always constantly going back and trying to dig in to what did I miss? What was wrong with my process? How can I get better? And one of the big things I learned is I fell in love too much with tools and uh, that was the louis Brinson um kind of process and i would just fall in love with guys that if they had a double plus tool i ranked them really high and i didn't really care as much about hitting because i figured a team could teach him how to hit and then i realized how hard it is to teach a guy to hit <laughs> like some sometimes it it almost seems like it's innate to be able to pick up a spin on a ball and some guys have better eyesight than other guys um some guys are so aggressive, have antsy feet, and just want to swing at anything that looks like a fastball, the dead red hitters, uh, and they can easily get fooled. And that kind of thing you learn over time is so difficult to to modify. Some guys do, and some guys don't. Uh, so I have, over the last five years or so, and maybe too much so, uh, have put the ability to hit um as important if not more important than the tools they provide than the other tools that they have like they call those secondary tools the ability to make contact and have an approach is the primary tools the secondary tools are speed and power uh if you will now some from, fran- from a fantasy standpoint some people will criticize me and go well gee you know, this guy has crazy tools he has a chance to be a superstar which is in many cases very true but many times that player never makes it um, so you have to kind of take all that stuff, lump it all together to figure out where you would, what guys you would want to roster in a fantasy team. And I encourage you, I know it's tedious, but go read the words that I write. Cause many times that explains how, why I have ranked the player or go back. And I mean, I know this is tedious and listen to, so 45 minutes is a typical podcast when I do an individual system. Times thirty it's a lot of hours of listening to a podcast, and I try to explain like the concerns I have about a particular player uh what I'm hearing their their trouble spots are, so that when I say know your parameters, the guy might have tons of speed, no power, and no ability to kind of long term ability to kind of create power and if you don't have power in the modern game. It's tough to become a full-time regular and an impact player. So I go through like laborious details of uh, of why that is. Again, not always right, but hopefully there's logic and the method to the madness of how I rank all of these players. So today we're going to go through 51 through 100. I will list them all out and give some color commentary on the guys that i think are worth giving that color commentary on let's take a quick break get back and uh, let's start off with uh, number 100 actually 91 could go completely in reverse order but that that'll confuse me so i'm gonna go 90 91 to 100 do that block and then 81 to 90 etc so 91 is justin foscue with texas rangers second baseman number 92 tim is very proud of me james outman the los angeles dodger basically a late bloomer here and a guy that might get serious playing time and i think deserves even though he's going to be 26 years old, really not even considered in a classical sense, a prospect anymore. Uh, Not that you can age out. You become a prospect if you have, uh, if you're still rookie eligible and Outman is, but you don't typically think of a, a guy who's 25, 26, 27 as still a prospect. But I think Outman has a chance to be a good one, just an impressive season. And we know the, The Dodgers are trying to reset their luxury tax, and therefore he's going to get a chance to play. Number ninety-three is Cole Young, kid I love a lot in Seattle. Just drafted this past July. Ryan Pepio looked at Dodgers. If I count them all up, the Dodgers have the the greatest number of players in the top one hundred, particularly when you rank them by how high they are on the list. So I thought it was the Orioles had the best system, but it's somewhere between the Dodgers, the Orioles and the guardians. I would think they're fighting it out for the number one position. The last three have got to be the Braves because the Braves are the only team without a top 100 player. And don't send me hate mail because look, the Braves have been great over the last three or four years promoting their guys. It's just, the system is just drained. Uh, And all those guys are on your major league baseball team, studly doing things. I mean, so that's that's you have to give it up to the Braves. They've they've developed so many players through their own organization. Um, the Detroit Tigers have one player and he is the last player ranked within the top 100. So the last team's number one prospect, the lowest on the list, if you will, and that is the Detroit Tigers And there's another team with just one. Oh, I forgot who it was. I'm sure we'll get to it. But anyway, uh, Ryan Pepio, top of the rotation, Arsenal, but he has never been able to throw a lot of strikes. D.L. Hall, I really struggled with this one. I like D.L. Hall, very athletic, throws hard. He also doesn't know where the ball is going. I think he becomes a reliever. That's just me. Another Baltimore Oriole at 96 is Connor Norby, can really hit. And the Orioles, I'm telling you, They have done a great job at developing their positional bats. If you take a look at it all, they have the best positional players in all of the minor leagues in terms of prospects. I mean, it's not even close where they have struggled is actually developing pitcher. I mean, pitchers, obviously Grayson Rodriguez looks like he has a chance to be really good. Who's after that? It's DL Hall. I mean, they just don't have a lot of pitching, prospects and i think in the end look um i think it's uh oh there was somebody came on the the broadcast oh dr mershack who's a smart guy who i just uh, lost touch with him which is a real bummer because he's a really smart guy and he played the dynasty league the way maybe the orioles are playing doing it their way he he acquired young positional bats and then once his team got good he traded for arms and it worked for him because he was a really good player. And I think that's what it's, that sounds like what the Orioles are doing, either trading for arms or signing arms in free agency. And they got a lot of excess money. It's not a poor team. It's not a, you know, a, a, the Dodgers Yankee kind of uh, spending they're able to do, but they have the opportunity to spend some money on some starting pitchers. And I think that's going to happen over the next couple of years, but that's Connor Norby guy can really, really hit. Uh, Ryan Nelson with the Arizona Diamondbacks come in, comes in at 97. I like him a lot. I like him for this season. Throws hard, top of the rotation stuff. He needs to also improve his command and control. Uh, the last three guys are three guys that I wanted to put in the list. They might not have ranked all that high on individual list. I didn't care. These are guys that I wanted to say, hey, I think there's something here with these three. The first is Bryce Miller. Part of the reason I put Bryce Miller in after I did the Seattle Mariners, I had two people reach out to me in baseball to say I'm too low on Bryce Miller. Uh, he is throwing a lot harder than he was the previous year. Reportedly, upper 90s, fastball now, sometimes topping 100 miles an hour. Um And I've got, you know, I wrote up, could develop into a back of the rotation starter, maybe a little bit more. I think it's going to be, from what I'm hearing, a lot more. Now, he also might go into a bullpen role. So it's a kid that should be looked at, even for this year, really late in draft and hold leagues. Because, again, a guy who throws that hard and proving control and command uh, ultimately might be a bullpen arm. But in draft and holds, you don't care if you just get somebody to play picking in the 48th round. That's that's who you go for. So I wanted to make sure I put Bryce Miller in the list, and he is one of my sleepers for this year as well. Uh, sleepers in you know, Major League Baseball and fantasy, you know, as not in the Dynasty League format. Number 99 comes in at Jarlin Susi- Susina. I don't think you actually pronounce the J. Maybe it's Harlan Susina. Uh, with the Washington Nationals, he was one of the guys that got traded for Juan Soto, along with uh, Wood and Hassel. And uh, you know, he has a chance. This is a guy that's already topping a hundred. Great fastball, really young. Uh, he's got great size. And look, another guy that might eventually become a bullpen arm, but somebody who throws that hard and is that young is a kid that needs to be rostered in all dynasty leagues at this juncture he's only made it up the low A. at least that's what i recall but uh it's a, a guy has a chance to be very very special and the last guy is one of my personal dudes and that is eduardo julian E D O U A R D. if you're trying to look him up on um and you know on, on portal sites uh he can really hit I don't know where he plays in Minnesota. He's a second baseman, probably limited the second base. He can hit. There's some power. There's some speed. Uh, I think he's going to force his way into the lineup at some point in 2023. Those are my last three guys. Uh, let's go to 81 through 90. Uh, 81 is Jordan Westberg with the Baltimore Orioles shortstop. I think we see him this year as well. Tooled up kid little concerned about how much he's actually going to hit. Very interesting guy. Zach Nito. Tim and I talked about him on our last podcast. Tim really likes him as well. It's a kid that's started. The Angels, and the Angels do this all the time. They do really mess guys up. The, the Philadelphia Phillies do this as well. They started his minor league program, I believe, off in A. Maybe he was a little bit in complex league. But, I mean, that's where he principally played. And he held his own. It's uh, a hit first prospect, probably can stay in the dirt somewhere. Um, there's enough speed and power that he could do be a fifteen fifteen guy. And he, it's not out of the question. We see him in 2023. Adele Amador, A-M-A-D-O-R. He is emerging into one of the bright stars in the minor league. Mike, Michael Bush big power Los Angeles Dodgers second baseman didn't have a great season last year. I don't know where in the heck he plays, but he's getting close and should see the, the major leagues this season. Jace Young, J U N G, that is uh, Josh Young's little brother. He is the Detroit Tigers, so he was he was the last first top prospect in an organization to make it to the 100 so i don't know if that makes the braves the last system and the tigers the second to last system but if you want to do it that way by all means think about it that way guy just like his brother plus hit to a little bit of pop uh probably doesn't have a lot of speed everson Pereira, the new york yankee outfielder i've seen this guy play a ton really tooled up exciting skills he chases too many pitches jet williams it's got Cedric Mullins written all over him. He is a New York Met in the outfield. Toolsy field a hit. Not a big guy, only five foot eight. Jack Leiter, one of the guys that was really high on this list last year and fell dramatically, had a tough season, just threw too many pitches, didn't work deep into games and got hit hard. Uh and I know the Rangers are really disappointed. And I have to ask the question, did should they have started him in uh, a little lower? Uh, maybe at low a high a before exposing him to double a maybe he just wasn't ready even though he looked ready coming out of college uh it just was not a good season so a little concerned with what's going on there and then number 90 is oscar Colas, huge raw power 20 plus home runs um made better contact than i thought he would and uh so a kid that you know, you need to kind of watch for this year and in a dynasty leagues could be kind of a very interesting 2025 20, home run guy who could hit a little bit drive driving runs, not a ton of speed there at all. Let's take a break, get back and uh, do some more.
0: With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 18
1: plus I think you'll notice that there's more pitchers here in the bottom fifty than at the top fifty. The top fifty is tons of positional players. Right? You know the pitchers that are up there. I mean it's a, it's a Yuri Perez's Grayson Rodriguez, Andrew Painter's other world, but there's a ton of positional bats up there. Um Coming in at number 71, and I I don't know about this guy. I had no idea. He and uh, Kumar Rocker, whenever we get to him, those are two guys that had no idea where to put in this list. And it is Masataki Yoshida. Uh, I write, high floor player with average power. He should hit the ground running. Misspelled running, need to fix that. With lots of runs scored. So uh, that's pretty much what Tim told me. That's what I'm going on. That's when you read the newspaper, if you will, that's, that's what your that's what the Red Sox think. So, you know, there's not a ton of speed there. If you, I think when I did the uh, dynasty league supplemental draft stuff, I said, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're, you're competing and you've got a mid mid round, mid first round to late first round pick. I mean, it's probably not a bad pick, uh, I mean, he might not amount to much, but you're competing. You need a player and outfield's a little thin. I know I've got interest in him in a couple of leagues that I'm competing in and I'm drafting late. And, you know, it's not a horrible pick. Is there the upside there of some other guys? No, I don't think so. And many of you know I joke around with Tim all the time about the 0.0 and Japanese players. And, and the reason, quite frankly, is... We talk about these Japanese and uh, Korean players that come in, and particularly Korean players, and they underachieve more times than not. Uh, and maybe it's Tim because he's over-promoting them. I, I don't know. But many times these players aren't signed for a lot of money, but they come in and, and, and fans think they're going to be big contributors, and they're just not. I mean, let's face it, Seiya Suzuki was the talk for... Again, last year was kind of weird because there wasn't much to talk about. So he was new and interesting. It was just okay last year. I mean, if you listen to you know a lot of the pundits, and I, I throw Tim in there, and Tim's really smart, knows his Japanese players. They thought this guy was going to be great. He wasn't. He was okay. 260 guy, you know, average power. You know, I, so you have to take this all with a grain of salt. I do think Cody Singh is a little different. He's way up higher on the list. Uh, and a lot of it just gets down to how much these guys signed for, because that tells you what the value of those players in terms of what uh, teams were, were thinking about. Anyway, 71 is Masataki, Yoshida. Everything I just said in the last two minutes, if you think I'm full of shit, yeah, by all means, I could be. <laughs> so, because I have not seen this guy play. I've just looked at the stat line. And I've listened to Tim. So, uh Maybe he's, he's the rookie of the year and top three um, in MVP awards. Maybe that's that's who the player is. Who knows? But uh, history would say he's going to underperform what everybody's saying he is doing. Number 72 is Carson Williams, Tampa Bay shortstop. He's athletic. He's toolsy. There is swing and miss in his game. Number 73 is Kumar Rocker. Should he even be on this list? I just don't know. Uh, I saw him at the Fall League. He couldn't find the plate, but gosh, he looks the part. It's a great fastball. It's a really good slider, kind of a slurvy kind of pitch. He needs a better uh, change-up, sure, but, I mean, it's two really good pitches with an athletic body. I mean, there's a lot to like with him. I think he should be in the top 100 list at least as we go into the season. Maybe he gets hurt in April. Maybe the Mets were right, and there's something wrong with his arm, and they, that's the reason they didn't sign him in 2021. But golly, he looks the part. That's all I'm gonna say. Number four is Gordon Grisifo, uh, with the with the Rangers. Jeez, with the um, with the Cardinals, he was one of the breakout pitchers. A guy that I'm proud to have rostered on numerous dynasty leagues. Showed a much improved arsenal. And the Cardinals did a really good job at getting this guy to throw harder. Uh, and he's got great control. So it's a real success story of player development with Gordon Gracifo. Number 75 is Alex Ramirez, Ramirez, or as he has put in the CBS database, Alexander Ramirez. I think he goes by Alex. Uh, a guy who I've always liked. He was a big international signee a few years ago and really started to put things together. Number 76 is Benny Montgomery, Power and Speed swing still needs a little bit of work 77 is Emerson Hancock look this guy ultimately might might go to the bullpen I had him higher than um than George Kirby I was wrong on that George Kirby just throw strikes it's ball's a little flat but I mean as hard as he throws and the fact he throws strikes he's going to have success there and uh, you know That's a that was a learning I had. I I took a look at Emerson Hancock. Overall, the arsenal's a little bit better because the balls move a little bit more, but it doesn't have that kind of control that Kirby has. And when you're throwing 98 miles an hour and can throw strikes, that gives you a really high floor. And I, I messed up there Kirby should have been higher and people were telling me I think John Dean was telling me that I think partially I think George Kirby's from West Virginia I think he is I could be wrong uh but he was always really high on Kirby you know being a lot better than I thought he was and he he, he's turned out to be that Hancock I still think has a number two starter ceiling but it could drop down a little bit he might be more mid-rotation and he actually might move to the bullpen his biggest problem he hasn't been able to stay healthy one of the real um Guys with tremendous helium this year has been Kyle Manzardo with the Tampa Bay Rays, a first baseman. Everybody knows how difficult it is to find first baseman on your Dynasty League team. And Manzardo looks like he might be a player. Solid hit tool. Needs to add a little bit more power. It's probably more 18 to 22 home run pop. But, you know, as he gets bigger and stronger and fills out, fills out hopefully in a good way. We're going to talk about some players in the first half of the top 50 who's not who's not filled out in the in the good way, uh, but I think if he fills out in the good way, could be a guy that can even increase his home runs and could become you know a top 10 first baseman in the league. Plays for the Tampa Bay Rays and they're looking for guys that can be full time regulars and have really struggled to find those guys. Everybody becomes a platoon player as you well know. Number 79 is Andy payhall Looks like Pages, P-A-G-E-S, but it is pronounced Pahal. I saw this guy playing in the Fall League. Huge raw power. Not the greatest body in the world. A bigger, lower half, kind of a big butt kind of guy. And I think if you've listened to me talk enough, I'm a real body guy. I, I love athletes. I fall in love with athletes. And in the end, that has served my evaluation fairly well uh, because – Baseball is, an, is a sport. It's not just a sport. It's an athletic endeavor, and I think you need to stay in shape, and I, I did worry a little bit of that with Andy Pahaw, but, man, the bat speed is ridiculous, and he's a Dodger, so all Dodgers can become all-stars, so he should be owned in all dynasty league leagues, and I think he has a chance to be a, you know, a, a great corner outfielder. And then number 80 is Mick Abel with the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, their number two prospect showing a premium arsenal, but has had trouble throwing strikes, which is a little disappointing. I thought he would be a little bit better this year and has really struggled to find the plate or really struggled to find the plate. Let's take a break, come back and do the 60s. hope everybody is staying warm. It is um, still, what is it? Uh, it's 50 degrees here, but it's supposed to get bitterly cold here tonight. I don't think it's going to last long. I'm here in North Carolina, at least for this week. Next week, and we hop up to New Jersey. It's uh, my grandson's uh, first birthday. It seems like it was just yesterday he was born. Wow, time is really flying, but I know it's bitterly cold in the Northeast. Tim was telling us yesterday during the podcast that it was Minus 60. I think he's making that stuff up. I, I how could it be minus 60 anywhere? I, I don't but, but, damn, that sounds cold. So and I And I think it's in Celsius. So I don't, I'm not sure exactly how that goes over to uh, Fahrenheit. But... Uh, Anyway, it was cold up in Canada. It's all moving down, and then hopefully that'll be it for the cold weather this winter. That would be glorious if that is the case. At number sixty-one is Hunter Brown with the Houston Astros. We all saw him in the major leagues. He had better control in the major leagues than he's ever had coming through the minor league system. I mean, it's it's uh, but it's great arsenal. He throws hard. Could be at the top of the rotation guy if he can throw strikes. I am apt, I am not totally convinced that he's going to throw strikes at least in two thousand twenty three. So I'm a little hesitant on like drafting him high in two thousand twenty-three for my drafts. Just that's just my me being a little cautious. I like the kid long term because he is clearly getting better and throwing more strikes as he matures. But for this year, not so sure. Number sixty two is a real tough guy and that is Brendan Davis uh, really rough season last year. Was hurt most of the year. Had back problems, but it was my understanding. People, I've I've had back surgery where I had uh, herniated disc, and that's where they got they go in. They cut your disc and they trim off where the bulging has occurred in your disc, and you know, your 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 back is weakened. Now I've been able. That was like 2010, so that was 13 years ago, and I've had. Zero issues with my back, well, next is zero issues with my back and i've been I have not been limited to anything so uh but your back i mean they they trimmed out part of your Your cartilage in your back, so you would think your back is not nearly as strong. So that's always a concern when you hear of a young kid having back surgery. Like, what does this mean long term? But I understand with Brennan Davis, it was actually a malformed and a blood vessel back there that they had to kind of separate and and figure it out. Which actually sounds a little bit more serious from a health standpoint. Where again, I'm not a doctor, so but you know, separating blood vessels sounds a lot more like serious from an overall health standpoint but the fact that he's healthy now i would doubt he's going to have any longer long-term implications from that right because it was not cartilage or muscular or tendon related if if that makes any level sense that's how i logically think about it you know if you're a vascular surgeon surgeon or if you're a um Orthopedic specializing in back, please reach out to me at rituals and P361. Give me your opinion on that on Twitter. And if I'm wrong, please tell me I'm wrong. But that's the way I look at it. And I, you know, I look, he was a top. 50 prospect last season. He's dropped a little just because he didn't play all that much, but I think there's still 20 to 25 from run pop. I think he'll spend a little bit of time in the minor leagues this coming season, but then I think we see him in the major leagues. So he is a guy that I drafted because of all of this on my NFVC draft and hold league because quite frankly, people have forgotten about him because he was hyped last year, but disappeared because of the health reasons. And when he did play, didn't play all that well, probably because of the, the achy back. And if you figure if the back is healed, he gets his sea legs underneath of him. I think he, A, long-term can become, yeah, maybe not a star, but definitely a full-time regular at a minimum with star potential. And I think you start to see that this year. That's Brennan Davis. Quinn Priester. Look, Pittsburgh Pirates, you do worry about Pittsburgh Pirate uh, players. They have underachieved uh, their their hype coming into uh, for the last five, five seasons at least. Um, but I think he's got number two starter ceiling. I thought that a bit about Mitch Keller, maybe Mitch Keller's finally starting to figure some things out. Hopefully Quinn Priester has already figured some of that out. Number 64 is Jackson Merrill. Yeah. High floor player. Oh, he is the second to the last guy within their system. That was the first pick. The lowest, if you, you know what I mean? so maybe the Padres are the third worst <laughs> system, if you want to take a look at it that way. High floor player doesn't have great speed and power. Did get a chance to see this guy in the fall league. Like I think he's going to be able to hit, but it could be more of a 10 10, 12 12 type of guy. Uh, and he's no doubt second baseman, excuse me, shortstop, so he probably plays at shortstop. And if he does, it's probably a middle infielder. If he moves to second base, it's probably a top 15 second baseman. Number 65 is Henry Davis. Uh wrist injury cost him time and production. I think he's still going to be a very good player and might be a guy that I'm trying to trade for because his stock is down. He was a top 25 prospect last season. I mean, rightfully so. He's got to be somewhere around here cuz he just didn't play. He was hurt a lot when he was when he wasn't hurt he didn't play very well. Again, I just talked about with Brennan Davis, maybe it was When he wasn't hurt, he really was hurt, and that's why he didn't play well. That could very well be the case with Henry Davis. I still think he has a chance to be a very, very good major leaguer. Maybe not. You know, He's not an Adley Rutschman uh, kind of team pitcher, but he might be just below that. He might be kind of a top 10 first base potential, maybe no longer a top five potential. Uh, But there's still a lot to like there, and you could see him soon. Now, I got Andy Rodriguez higher, and Andy Rodriguez is a better catcher, defensive catcher, in my humble opinion, than Henry Davis. And even though Henry Davis won one uh, in the draft, and usually those guys not get what they want, but teams, you know, there's been so much hype around them that he could be the catcher of the future just because he's Henry Davis. But the smart thing to do is make Andy Rodriguez a catcher of the future and move Henry Davis to first base, DH, maybe right field. I think he's athletic enough to play out there. Number 66 is Sedan Raphael. He was one of the big 2022 pop up players. Uh, Go out to YouTube, type in Sedan Raphael, crazy catches. And he was a shortstop second base and that moved to the outfield, and boy, did he take to it. I mean, he made some of the most spectacular plays in the outfield that the Internet has seen this year. Just uh, really good. He has, does have an aggressive approach. He needs to tap that down, but there's speed. There's emerging power. There's some real good tools there. Number 67 is Dustin Harris with the Texas Rangers. I love Dustin Harris, double plus raw power. He's got some enough speed to steal a handful of bases, probably has moved officially to the outfield. So I think it could be like a 2010 kind of guy. I think that's a really good player. One of the guys I really shoved this uh, this year, he does follow me on Twitter. So that helps a little bit, I guess. I guess he likes the fact that I'm talking about him. A lot of this is the Miguel Blyce, B-L-E-I-S, athletic, Great bat speed, plus runner, all the tools. Yeah, there's some concern about how much he's going to hit. Yeah, I get all that, but uh, boy, the tools are really exciting. Number 69 is Oswaldo Peraza with the New York Yankees. We've talked about him a lot, and his relationship with Volpe. And again, I'll repeat, Peraza, I've seen all Yankees a lot because I go I live in the New York market in the summertime. So there's a lot of New York um, minor league teams around me. So they're the ones I go to because they're the closest. So I see them play a lot. I've seen Oroz, Oswald, Peraza, Oswald Peraza play a lot. He's a really good player. Great defender. Better defender at short than Volpe. Good speed. Um, he's got power. I mean, you know, swing gets a little out of control. It gets a little over aggressive, but it's a good enough hit tool that I think he at least hits 260 with a 320 kind of one base percentage. With potentially 2020 pop, it's a really good player. Does he make it in the Yankees organization? It's a really good question. and one I don't have an answer to. It's going to play itself out in the next year or two, and it's all going to involve Volpe. Volpe's the better prospect, but Peraza's is also really good. And number 70 is Teak Hints. Um, I think I already talked about him, <laughs> so I should have done sort of start, uh, started off with Yoshida, but I didn't. Again, top of the rotation stuff struggles to repeat his delivery let's take our final break come back and do the 50s and then we will wrap this puppy up purchase new wiper blades from o'reilly auto parts today and we'll install them for free see better and drive safer with o'reilly auto parts
0: oh 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 o'reilly
1: at number 51 should have been a guy who was mentioned in my top pitching prospect of the year in 2022 and that is gavin stone great season last year swing and miss stuff you know he's got good control and needs to make better control he is with the dodgers so all dodgers become stars so you need to consider rostering him um because he's a Dodger and they just know how to work this stuff out. Plus he's a great talent. Number fifty-two is Evan Carter with the Texas Rangers. Love this kid, plus speed, plenty of bat speed that he could eventually be a 2020 guy, more athletic than the number one prospect in the system. Josh Young, but Young is going to start the season as the primary third baseman for the Texas Rangers and trying to figure out the rankings of all of this, you have to take that into consideration. But for an upside standpoint, within the Texas Rangers organization, there's none better than Evan Carter. I think he is a kid that doesn't get enough love in prospect circles and just a really good player. The guy's a chance to be a great fantasy player. Number 53 is Tyler Soderstrom. So He is with your Oakland Athletics. He is also the only Oakland Athletic on this list. So that would make him, does that make the Oakland Athletics the fourth uh, porous system? Maybe. Zach Galoff's in there. He was considered for the list. Anyway, Tyler Soderstrom plus power can hit. He has moved to first base that I actually think gives him a little bit more fantasy uh, upside just because he'll get 600 plate appearances now as opposed to 450 to 500. Uh, Just when they drafted him, I was always concerned that he would be a major league catcher, and that has turned out to be the case. So we should see him in 2024 and a really good player, a guy that's probably going to get a lot of helium as we uh, go through the season, assuming he hits, didn't have the greatest of seasons in 2022. One of my favorite prospects, I love this guy from the time he was signed as an international dude, and that is Emmanuel Rodriguez with the Minnesota Twins. He is an outfielder, huge raw power. Uh, I think he has a chance to translate to 30 home run pop. He improved his strikeout rate and had a crazy walk rate um, uh, last season. I think it was like a 22% walk rate. It's not a fast approach. He's just really good at identifying balls and strikes. He was hurt a couple months last season. Uh, assuming health, we should see him in Double A for the most part in 2023 with a chance to, to have a sniff of the major leagues in 2024. I really like the player, always liked the player, have him rostered in a couple of maybe three dynasty leagues. Oh, there is another Oakland Athletic, and that is Estuary Ruiz uh, comes in at number 55, another tough guy to grade because everybody seems to believe that he's a tweener guy, uh, a guy that might not have enough physicality to be a full-time regular. Um, and therefore he's more of a fourth outfielder. But he's going to get the run this year, and Tim and I have talked about this several times, because they've given Christian Pache the chance, and he just didn't do it. So Christian Pache looks like it's more of a fourth outfielder profile, which, again, could be Estrella Ruiz, but he should be your starting outfielder uh, unless Pache comes in with a renewed swing uh, and, and plays out of his mind in spring training. I think Ruiz gets the first shot in center field. And from a fantasy standpoint, this guy can steal bases. I mean, it was 80 stolen bases last season. 80-plus stolen bases last season. it's this crazy speed. Hit like 17 home runs. He's not void of power. But he's not a big guy. He's not a strong guy. He's more of a slap-and-go type of hitter. But look, from a fantasy standpoint, this is a list of fantasy... Guys I would rank from a fantasy standpoint, he should be rostered for this year. I've rostered him in both leagues that I've already drafted this year. Uh, I unfortunately do not have him in any dynasty leagues. This is a guy that could be a real interesting fantasy player, SG Ruiz. But in three years, if he's a fourth outfielder, well, yeah, I mean, that's why you need to know your parameters. Number 56 is Edwin Arroyo. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, he was a part of was it Luis Castile trade uh, and came over there. Uh, interesting speed and power, field to hit, a really good prospect. Came over with Novell Marte, who was the more lead prospect, but Novel Marte got a little large, not in a good way. Uh, the reason he struggled at the beginning of the season, because he was a little large uh so if that happens again coming into the season you're going to see Arroyo jump over top of uh, Novio Marte but Arroyo's a, a very good prospect just from his power speed combination Number 57 is Gavin Cross, one of the guys I really loved in that draft. Speed and power, field to hit with the Kansas City Royals, who are not afraid to move their prospects through the system, not afraid to promote them to the major leagues, not suggesting they're going to do that with Gavin Cross anytime soon. Um, but they've done a good job at getting guys better offensively, particularly from a hit tool standpoint. So you kind of got to, you got to like that. That is Gavin Cross. Number fifty-eight is Harry Ford, kid that does not get a lot of uh, enough talk with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I th- I think he could stay a catcher. I don't think he's Tyler Soderstrom, but he's got speed and he's got power. So it is a Dalton Varsho starter kit for sure. And number fifty-nine is another catcher. And that is Kevin Parada, P-A-R-A-D-A, with your New York Mets. He was their second pick um, this. Uh, last uh, July all-star upside power in a field to hit. I think this guy's going to be good. And I think, I don't know why he dropped to the Mets at the 11th spot going from memory. Um, but he did. And I think they might've got a good one. And we've got the third catcher in a row. I didn't realize that three catchers in a row. And number 60 is Logan Ohoppy. As you guys, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I drafted him in both of the leagues that I've, I've uh, drafted already. Uh, it's a kid that I've liked for the last couple of years. I was worried that he was blocked in Philadelphia, which he was with JT Ramuto. And they moved him to the uh, Angels at the deadline, gave him a new lease on life, or not a new lease, gave him the opportunity to become a full-time regular starting in 2023. And I think he takes the ball and runs with it. A guy that's gotten better over the last couple of years uh, and built upon that breakout he had in 2021. They continue to do it in 2022. Uh, there is there's good power there he can hit, and there's not totally void of speed. He's a good athlete, and I think they got a good one. I, I really do, and I think he is your starting catcher in Los Angeles to begin the season, and I think he should be drafted in 2023 as such. At least that's what I'm doing. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'll tell you. But that is our number 51 through 100. Um, Hope you like the list. Hope you found it intriguing with some names that are familiar and then maybe some not so familiar uh, names as well. I'm not going to go through and and spell everybody's name out. Um, A lot of these guys are famous, so you should know who they are. And then uh, probably tomorrow or Monday, I'll record number one through 50. Get everything out. As soon as it's all out, the list will come out, hopefully in plenty of time for you guys in your dynasty leagues Either either startup initial drafts or in supplemental drafts, or just as you're drafting uh, for the season coming up as to maybe guys that you would want to draft for the 2023 season. That is a wrap, everybody.